0: there was very much this childlike curiosity and and hunger, almost, where I knew that the only place that I could go where I fully felt seen and understood was in the Blessed Sacrament. And it was a very rapid transformation, actually, when I think about it now. um, It was very sacramental, and so it only made sense to me to continue to frequent that place.
1: Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah B. Talad, and I've been gathering stories for iamhere.org.
2: And I'm Father Mario Amore, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and today we welcome Anna Picasso to share her story. Welcome, Anna.
1: It's great to be here. Good to see you both. Yes, we're so glad to have you. And Anna, can you tell us a little bit about your home parish and your community here in Detroit? Yes,
0: so I split my time between Our Lady of the Rosary Student Center because I am their outreach coordinator and campus minister for Wayne State and the College for Creative Studies. And then I also get to spend some time at St. Aloysius with
2: both of you.
1: Yes, good times.
2: So tell us a little bit more about uh, your work with campus ministry. So you didn't always work as uh, a member of the uh, staff in an official capacity, Where'd you start out?
0: Yes, this is true. So, I originally came out to the Archdiocese of Detroit in 2020 as a focused Catholic missionary. So I served alongside the first ever expansion team to Detroit and got to work with some incredible students and teammates. And then after my two years, I felt called to continue to serve in the diocese, specifically within campus ministry. And so, yeah, I have been serving as the outreach coordinator for about going into a year. Uh, It's been a great experience so far.
2: Mm -hmm. And you've seen a lot of transition. So you came in 2020. Mm -hmm. Uh, The student center moved from uh, basically one of the floors inside the student center at Wayne State offsite to Our Lady of the Rosary, which is still on the campus, but uh, in a different place. Mm -hmm. And so there was kind of you and the team started from really the ground up there.
0: Yeah, this is true. Actually, fun story. Father Morrow was kind of our landlord (laughs) (laughs) because when we moved, we stayed at Our Lady of the Rosary. Uh, That was our home, my first home ever in Detroit. And so, yeah, it has been quite the adventure going from first year missionary to now serving in this capacity alongside Father Matthew Hood and all of our amazing coworkers at DCCM. Uh, I was just telling Leah earlier that this past week has been our welcome week. So we've had a lot of activities, but we had around 10 new students students, completely new to campus ministry, just show up to one of our events recently. So it's been a lot of fun. It's good to be back. It's good to have the students back as
2: well. That's awesome. And we just finished a recording with, with one of the students that, that was brought into the church. So yes. congratulations.
1: <laughs>
0: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's I, I mean, I'm relatively new to Detroit, but to have seen the fruit that's coming out of DCCM is really uh, exciting and um, powerful to see. So... Um, it's very evident that faith is a big part of your life, considering what you do for Detroit Catholic Campus Ministry. Um, was was that always this the case for you? Was faith always primary and uh, a big priority for um, every every part of your life? Yes, yes, and no. So I was
0: very blessed uh, to be raised in a Catholic family where both our faith and schooling was a huge priority for my parents and I'm so thankful that that was a part of my story. So I went to Catholic school all the way up until university, actually. Um, yeah, I, we were raised in a family where faith was extremely important at the foundation of both of my parents' um, lives. They are some of the only remaining um, parents and daughters and sons in their families who are practicing Catholic. And so it was very important to them that that we had that opportunity to to know Jesus and to live as disciples. Um, I think I followed a pretty typical, like very devout throughout uh, throughout all of high school, but then yeah, just a lot of life things happen, and eventually fell away from my faith. As early as junior year of high school Hmm. and from that point it is nothing but god's providence that i ended up at the university of mary in bismarck north dakota very begrudgingly (laughs) i uh, did not want to be there initially but it was the only school i could afford at that time and so I would say by the time I was a junior, I was already agnostic. I knew that there was a God, but I had little to no relationship with Him and still was going to Mass on Sundays, but out of obligation Mm -hmm. or this kind of loyalty to my parents. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that continued on for, for quite a while until I went to Rome as Mm -hmm. part of our study abroad program with you, Mary, and that's where my life radically changed and had really powerful encounters with Jesus in the blessed sacrament and through community and, and prayer and service.
2: So cool. So let's talk about Rome.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Rome. (laughs) I had this incredible opportunity to spend four months in the city of Rome, living in intentional Catholic community. It was a program that was started by Monsignor James Shea and something that is kind of like a crown jewel of our, our campus. And so, yeah, I just know that the Lord desired for me to be there so much because I really don't know how else that door would have been open to me, Um, but I I went with the the sole purpose of of traveling and experiencing something new, and actually what had launched me into that point was I, yeah, Sally was just at this really big low in my life, and I Mm. knew that something had to change, and I thought the change that that was going to be is after I study abroad, I'm going to leave you Mary, I'm gonna to go to you know a Big Ten school or somewhere else, and that was my plan. So I was gonna study abroad, forget all about all my problems, and then move on. <laughs> and almost immediately when I got there, I realized that my peers were living lives completely different from mine. Mm-hmm. They had this joy and this peace that I could not understand and couldn't explain. And very quickly, I started to notice that all of my classmates would go to pray in this little adoration chapel. So we had a plan of life within our community. We prayed together, we studied, we ate, we traveled, um, fully integrated within that. And so through their witness, I started to ask more questions. I was just genuinely curious, but I still was like, this isn't, this whole Catholic thing, like really isn't for me. Until my roommate, Jesse, started going to the chapel every single night that we were there. And that deeply struck me because I had never seen someone my age pray. And she would invite me without fail every night. And I would say, no, I'm, I'm good, that's <laughs> okay. Until one night I just decided, Like I remember it was really late at night and I just decided to go into the chapel for the first time. And I just recall it being so quiet and so peaceful. And from that moment, that habit of daily prayer just started to develop until I was speaking to a seminarian that was with us. And we started talking about some of these deep, places in my heart and I remember him speaking like your heart is like Mary's in the way that you love and that deeply struck me to my core and realized that the shame that I felt within it because I understood like if you knew the depths of my heart like there is no way you could ever compare me to a woman like that Mm. but it actually spurred me to go to confession for the first time since probably my first and in that moment, I had a very beautiful encounter with the priest, and just I will always remember this after that confession, um, he said, "Let the heavens rejoice for the one who is lost is now found." Mm. Mm-hmm. And that truly wouldn't have happened without you know that intimate that call to to adoration and through that personal invitation from my friends and and peers.
1: Wow so you have this powerful experience in confession, and then um What did your interaction with the Blessed Sacrament look like following that? You know, there's obviously a big shift has taken place. So so what changes in your interactions with Jesus moving forward?
0: Yeah, I think there was very much this childlike curiosity and and hunger almost where I knew that the only place that I could go where I fully felt seen and understood was in the Blessed Sacrament and It was a very rapid transformation, actually. When I think about it now, um, it was very sacramental, and so it only made sense to me to continue to frequent that place. And I had some amazing accompaniment through my classmates and friends, Mm -hmm. which I'm so thankful for. Um, And so it just became a habit, you know? Anytime I would, have a tough day or, or just want to share something with him. I, I began to journal a lot in adoration. I began to just share with him parts of my day. Um, and yeah, I think that's
2: really where the origin of any kind of prayer life began. Mm-hmm. What would you say was the difference from the time that you had arrived in Rome mm-hmm. to the times where you were kind of immersed in a life of prayer?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, when I first arrived, there was this deep aching to be known and to be seen. Um, And I think I was coming from a place where that had not been the experience. I had fallen into college culture pretty quickly and was just left really empty. And so there was that deep, like desperate aching for it, and I found that in the Blessed Sacrament. And from that time, you know, I was exposed to just so much of the beauty of Catholicism. We were going to, you know, the Sistine Chapel and all of these museums. And I walked into a church, and there was multiple saints just there for me to pray in front of. Mm-hmm. And so I was in, like encountering the beauty of the Catholic faith, while also slowly beginning to know the person of Jesus. And and that transformation just went every day. It would just be going to the chapel again and again, and just trying to to understand Him first, um, and in that same way realizing that I was being understood and I was being seen and being known.
1: Hmm. Following this time where you spend time before the Blessed Sacrament allowing yourself to be seen and known by the one who sees and knows you most intimately, um, when you come back from Rome, what were things like? What was your relationship with Jesus like in the Blessed Sacrament?
0: Yeah. It was something that I, when I look back on things that I said or, or journals, it's amazing just how immediately the grace of, I think some wisdom was dropped into my laps, or I knew within the first two weeks that things in my life had to change wow. and I needed to conform my life to my community that I was seeing and and to the person of Christ. And I'm so thankful for that because that truly was just something that I was kind of hit over the head with, which he usually has to do for me most of the time, is just really be very obvious. And so coming back, it was something I was aware of, something I was kind of nervous. I I knew that I was gonna be coming back to relationships that just frankly weren't good for me. and. Habits that needed to change, and so there was already kind of asking for that courage and that and that grace. And I had an incredible priest. We had a couple of chaplains whose whole purpose was just to accompany the students there. And he and I talked about these things and mm. just encouraged me to pray for for the grace of of conviction and courage going into um, coming back to America. And so within that, I knew that I was going to be returning. And so. Just trying to build up those habits of prayer before i left mm. um but by again the grace of god there was an incredible woman named courtney and she was going to be serving um on you mary's campus as a focus missionary and she was with me during all this and noticed it and saw it and so when we returned she invited me into her bible study mm. i was like oh yes like other women who want the same thing like this is everything that I've been asking for and praying for. And so she invited me within, and some of those women are still, like, the most important people in my life, and we keep in touch all the time, and they're the first people I told when I decided to serve as a missionary myself. Mm -hmm. And so pretty soon after that Bible study, she invited me to lead other women in a Bible study as well. And so I began discipleship, as Focus calls it. And so, yeah, I just felt like this whole uh, world was kind of opening up to me of these habits of, of prayer and mm-hmm. trying to root everything uh, in a relationship with Jesus so that my external efforts and, and the desires I
2: had for my life
0: um, were rooted in that. Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: What were people's reactions, like your family's?
0: Yeah. Well, I had this really <laughs> funny realization when I was a first year missionary where I realized I have shared. My story with so many college students and my brother Jonah, who's college age, I haven't told him about this. And so, yeah, I think that was a really good wake up call. Um, mm-hmm. My parents were surprised and they were shocked when I applied for Focus um, because they had kind of seen, you know, the falling away and then maybe not so much the coming back. Um, but it's been a really beautiful thing to be able to share with them. To share with my brothers, um, and to really just, yeah, invite them um, into a relationship with Jesus, even if it's not explicit, but rather just by witness of of what I'm doing here in Detroit. And friends, some friends were also surprised, um, mm-hmm. and that's why, yeah, we really, as Campus Ministry, try to encourage students to build authentic, virtuous friendships because they're so necessary and so needed at every stage in our life. Um, But yeah, people were definitely surprised, I think. Um, And in some ways, I think I was also surprised.
1: Yeah. And so you mentioned that uh, some of these, uh, the women you had connected with Mm. in this Bible study were the first that you told about um, deciding to become a focus Mm. missionary. Can you talk a little bit about just how your path post-college kind of was affected by this massive experience that you had during your college? Experience?
0: Yeah. So I I had a degree in media communications um, and a vocal music minor. And I thought, okay, I enjoy the music thing probably just as a hobby, but I'm going to do media production for maybe a nonprofit or something. And I had an internship lined up at my senior year that I really enjoyed. But my junior year, I had been encouraged to apply for staff. And I remember thinking, I was like, okay, I will apply. (laughs) I will do this because I love love you, Courtney. You're (laughs) you're inviting me to do this. So, okay. I was like but i'm not gonna say yes and i went to the interview weekend and i remember within my first conversation with a missionary i walked out i turned to my friend maggie and i was like i think they're gonna give me an offer and i think i'm gonna say yes and i this this weird like yeah this weird conviction because i realized as i was speaking the first question they asked is like why do you want to work with college students and i went into how i mean my life had been so radically transformed by Jesus at that time when I was their age. And just this deep desire that all students and all people come to know him and to experience that same transformative love and relationship. And I remember thinking as I was entering into my senior year, I was like, the time that I have felt the most just satisfied and so excited is when I was leading those underclassmen women in a Bible study. And so I knew that, yeah, that this was the path that the Lord was calling me to. I definitely still like hemmed and hawed about it for a while. Um, I sat in a chapel at You Mary and I just kind of wrote down all of the pros and cons and the the pros very much outweighed the cons and I just offered it to the Lord. And by the time I left that holy hour, I was like, okay, like I'm gonna say yes to this. I'm gonna give my life to it for however long you ask. (laughs) So. Wow! Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful.
2: And so now you have the opportunity every day. Every day <laughs> to share your your faith with uh, st- the students that you minister to. Um, what's it like? Oh man,
0: <laughs> it is challenging and amazing and a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is such a privilege to be entrusted with god's children and there's something so special about college students they're just in this really real and raw age where they are some of them on their own for the first time they're really searching and trying to learn their identity and and you see you see like that grappling and and the difficulties of that and obviously as we probably all know being Catholic or Christian on a college campus can be very challenging. And so to be able to to kind of open up the doors and like open up their eyes to reality that even just on a tiny lens, like there are so many Catholics in Detroit that are trying and striving to live lives of holiness, and then you open up their eyes to the universal church, and that is even more powerful and impactful. And so, yeah, I think that one of the most important and best parts of my job, it really is like it all accumulates in the first time that the student is in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Mm. Like when you boil it all down, like what is our main goal and desire of campus ministry? It is that they have an intimate, real relationship with Jesus Christ. And where does that happen? I mean, there's so many programs and events and wonderful, you know, Bible studies led by our missionaries, and all of that is so good and important, and it it can aid and it can inspire, but it comes down to it, like the best thing for them to do is to be in front of the Blessed Sacrament at Mass and in prayer. And getting to witness that is just, I mean, it's incredible. Mm
2: Have you seen any transformations just in the lives of students that parallel yours?
0: Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I think that's so providential that Andrea was walking out the door as I came in today. (laughs) But that has been such a gift to see her. So she, um, yeah, we were at an involvement fair that as part of my job, I help coordinate and she was walking across the the quad and she was walking past our booth and Father Matt, our chaplain, (laughs) saw this giant scapular and she was walking away and she turned to to one of our students, Ruth, and was like, Ruth, she's wearing a scapular, run. (laughs) And Ruth ran and she handed her this card that said, welcome home. And ever since then, Andrea started to come to daily masses um, and just ask deeper questions because she had not received all of her sacraments yet and so it was wonderful to to get to know her and she's just such a genuine and sweet um, young mm-hmm. woman and To be able to accompany her, so part of my job as well is uh, the OCIA coordinator for Detroit Catholic. So I get to really walk with students in that and just kind of be a presence, like Father Matt does a majority of the formation, but my job is kind of to check in and do some admin, but also just be there as they go through this journey. And so Andrea's story is like pretty similar to mine in some ways. Um, One of the most like beautiful realities that I had seen in her story was... I got to walk her to her first reconciliation at our father's house retreat, Aww. um which was just incredible um to be able to to bring someone to that, which was such a source, I mean for all of us, but particularly in my story, just such a place of healing and acceptance and love from the Lord, and to be able to witness that was deeply profound, and I'm like so thankful that I got to witness that
1: um, yeah, it's pretty amazing, yeah yeah as you mentioned we just we just got to chat with Andrea and hearing her talk about. Um, those moments you were talking about, sitting before the Eucharist, and, and just that culmination of what you do—is bringing these students to meet Jesus in the Eucharist—is so powerful and so very beautiful. Um, I'm curious to know how you, um, you know, fit that time into your life. It, you know, with this being your work um, in campus ministry, what's it like for you to incorporate that time before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament mm-hmm. um, within your day to day?
0: Yeah. I think a story that can tie in both of those things, um, at that same retreat that Andrea was at, it was our Father's House retreat. And part of that is the students are able to have personal adoration. So Jesus is right close up next to them so intimately. And I had the opportunity to photograph those things. So I had this very like intimate look, um, something that will always stick with me forever, I think, and has really aided in my own spiritual journey. But I was photographing uh, Father Matt And he was holding the monstrance with jesus Mm. and it was this very visceral just beautiful image of how our father loves us Mm. so father matt was speaking words of blessing to each student i found out later that it was a specific prayer for them and jesus was in the middle so god the father um, showing his love to us through jesus and During that retreat, I kind of had the thought like, this retreat is like kind of for me, but not really. I'm like here to work it. I'm here to take photos and to talk, which is great, that's fine. And there was a moment where I was kneeling down by a pillar in the darkness, and I was just bowing my head and waiting for Jesus to pass. And all of a sudden, I felt this presence. And I was kneeling down, I looked up, and it was Jesus just right there and the father, Father Matt, had sought me out mm-hmm. and I I looked up and all I could hear, the rest was I couldn't hear anything else, but I heard the one who is lost is now found. And it was the same words that were echoed in my first reconciliation and the whole retreat was about the prodigal son and and we wanted students to really encounter that that fatherly love. And it just profound I mean, I was crying and <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, but so joyful. And from that moment, I mean, I think I always go back to that when, you know, whenever I'm I'm struggling to pray or or to pursue that relationship with Jesus, it's like he is constantly seeking me. He's constantly calling to me and reminding me that, yeah, that he so desperately loves me and I think I have not I think I've been more convicted more in my life in this position than ever before that I literally can't do anything without him. Like <laughs> he is the source, he is the summit. I There's no way that our actions will be fruitful unless they are rooted through Jesus. And in reality, like it is always him working through me. And so that divine intimacy and that prayer um, it looks a little bit different. When I was a missionary, it was uh, a daily holy hour mm-hmm. and um, mass with other people. Mm-hmm. And that has, I mean, quite honestly, just kind of been a challenge, like as I have left that and um, just kind of figuring out what like young adult life looks like, but have felt um, the deeper conviction and call that obviously he still desires that for me. And so yeah, sometimes it looks like a holy hour or half an hour in the morning and one at night, Um, a rosary, listening to praise and worship music, journaling, um, even art has been a big source of prayer. And so, yeah, it looks a little bit different, but it's still beautiful and He's constantly seeking me out.
2: Yeah, and it's so important, especially for those of us who who work in the church, for the church, um, to be rooted. First and foremost, in our relationship with Jesus, um, we are tempted very often to say that that the work that we do is the relationship, <laughs> and uh, that can't be the case. Um, because, as you mentioned, it, it has to be Jesus who's who's leading us, um, uh, and He desires to fulfill us and sustain us. Because ultimately, uh, the work itself will just burn us out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Christ who who has to be uh, our source and, and our inspiration and our guide and our strength. The unique opportunity that we have um, in this kind of special relationship between Detroit Catholic Campus Ministry and St. Aloysius is that, um, you know, so often it could be the case where students get involved in an organization for the period of time that they're there and then they leave and, and maybe they continue and maybe not. Um, but I, I think one of the graces of 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 my position in, in it all is to be able to see how the students are making the transition into parish life. And I remember the very first time um, that Ryan hmm. came, Ryan was a focus missionary and he came and uh, and I was showing him around rosary and he said, you know, ultimately our goal is to, have our students be integrated into the the life of a parish community, mm-hmm. not just um, into an organization for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I just see how now, three or four years later, that that's happening. Mm-hmm. That that transition is happening from from one place to another, whether it's Saint Aloysius or at other places, um, or in the in the in the off season, mm-hmm. you know, in in the summertime <laughs> or at Christmas break. Mm-hmm. That. That we see the students coming, and I just think it's a it's a great testimony to, to the work uh, that that you do and the ministry that you and Father Matt and the rest of the team uh, offer. So, mm-hmm. uh, just just congratulations to you for all the the growth that's that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm a big proponent of saying, you know, so often we hear whether if with its uh, if it's college students or young adults that we're always in the sense of like where are they or Mm -hmm. you know come and see like Mm -hmm. they're there like the faith is there and are they Mm -hmm. the numbers that we wish or that we hope for not yet Mm -hmm. but but they're seeking and and they're there and the church is alive Mm -hmm. so um just words of encouragement Mm -hmm. and i think we have to be grateful to god for Mm -hmm. just for the movement of the spirit Mm -hmm. over these past few years so yeah
1: Mm. praise god (laughs) yeah well, it's incredible, Anna, to see what, what this personal conversion for you has, has meant uh, for the church here in Detroit and for the young people who are involved in Detroit Catholic Campus Ministry. So thank you for being willing to share your story with us for I Am Here. Um, we are so grateful for your witness and for your willingness to share the goodness of what Jesus has done in your life. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Leah. Thanks, Father Mario. Thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at iamhere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hallow app in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.